I think we've all been there, right? Gotten turned around. You know, um, there's a question that kind of hangs in the air to get today. And that question is, how do we begin? Um, how do we start? Um, Advent is a season. Uh, it's the season that starts the church year. As I said last week, we are starting a new church year today. And Advent is that season that prepares us for Christmas. It's that season of preparation. And so how do we begin? How do we prepare will be our question. You know, um, we do a lot of preparing in life. Um, maybe you've prepared for a long trip before. You spend a lot of time packing. You get it all in the car just so you manage. I don't know about you, but we have to manage every little thing, turn it this way and that so that it all fits in and the doors will still shut We've done that kind of preparation. And, and there's that, that, all that work of preparation. And then you get in the car and everybody sits there and, and the question comes, what's wrong? I can't find my keys. You know, I can't find my keys. You do all that preparation and then the thing that will make you go, you can't find. Well, this morning in our preparation in this season of Advent, we're going to look at the beginning of the Gospel of John. It's called the prologue. The first 18 verses of John's Gospel is called the prologue. And we're going to look at that to see how we should prepare. That prologue is going to be our map, our chart, through the next three weeks of Advent. It's going to direct us how we go, how we how we start and prepare. Now, when we think about that question of how to prepare, I imagine that question was on the mind of each of the gospel writers. Luke, when thinking about how to begin, how to start, thought about starting with John the Baptist, the birth of John the Baptist, and then and, and the angel's announcement to his father, Zechariah, that he would have a son in his old age. And then moves on to the announcement to Mary that she would have a son named Jesus. That's how Luke begins. Mark, the gospel writer, Mark's favorite word in his gospel is the word immediately. I remember studying the Greek word for that, euthos. And because it sounds like youth, euthos, I think about youth who always want everything immediately, Right? So Mark immediately starts into his gospel by, he skips over all that fun stuff at the beginning. He goes right to Jesus being with John the Baptist right at the start. He kicks off the ministry and goes right away. He's immediately. Matthew, on the other hand, Matthew thinks about it a little and says, you know what? I'm going to go back a little and I'm going to start with genealogy. I'm going to start with how we got here and, and, and who is the father of who that we suddenly get to Jesus. Now, genealogy doesn't excite us nowadays, but that's the way Matthew decided to begin. John, John, who we're going to look at today, had the benefit of looking at the three previous gospel writers. Scholars are pretty clear that John knew how the other three had written. And he looked at that and he said, you know, where to begin? Out of all the different experiences that John had had with Jesus while being a disciple of Jesus and seeing 
all the many events, all the miracles, John got thinking and said, you know, it goes back further than all of that. It goes back even further. It goes back to the very beginning. And so John writes what's called a prologue. A prologue is that kind of pre-writing before the book begins. A prologue is what you see in a playbill when you go to the theater and you read a little description and give you that gives you the attitude, the background, and the context, the ABCs, the attitude, background, and context of what's going to happen or what makes the story that's about to happen, what puts it in the proper frame. So John goes back to the very beginning and gives us this prologue to shape us, to give us a frame, an attitude, a background, and a context. Now, maybe it's because my son was in a play recently. My mind was stuck on the theater in different ways. I got to thinking that maybe the way we can look at Advent this year is to look at it in the same way that the, the plays start or even the movies start where the director calls for lights, camera, action, right. Lights, camera, action. And so today we have the beginning part of John's prologue, the first five verses which call for lights, and it'll make sense in a moment. Let's pray that God open his word for us. Oh Lord, you know us full and well. You know exactly what we need to hear. You know how our minds can drift. You know how we can get caught up with all the other things that are going on today, all that we have yet to do this week, as well as all that we're still processing from the last week. You know everything that's going on in our hearts. So, Lord, we come to you right now and ask that you would quiet all that, that you bring a sense of peace to us, that we might hear with clear minds and open hearts your word to us today. Help us as we seek to prepare for the coming of the Christ child and for your coming again. In Jesus' name, amen. Lights, camera, action. Today, we're looking at lights. John writes this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. I see the screen's just gone up. We're going to read it again because the beginning of John is a tongue twister. And so this way you can see it as well. Here we go. Ready? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tell you what, will you throw the first part up again in the beginning? Thank you. Now, if we're about hearing lights, we can see why lights, camera action, we can see with the the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, why today lights fits. But remember, we're about preparing And John wants us to prepare by setting a clear understanding of our attitude, our background, and our context, where we are really on the map. Now, I don't know about you, but being properly orientated, being not in the dark, if you've ever stumbled around without light, you know what it's like to be in the dark, and you can get pretty confused when things aren't clear. I remember several years ago in my last church, early on, um, a a member that I got to know well over time, I met him in the parking lot of a a local shopping mall. And we just happened to bump in here. He was near his car, and I noticed that he had a frustrated look on his face. I said, what's wrong? Everything okay? He says, yeah, it's just my my car... um, uh, what's that called? The fob. It, it, the battery must have gone dead, and I can't get in my car. I'm like, oh. He says, you know, I so I've been trying to call my wife. I can't get a hold of her, but she's over at the church. I said, you know what? I'll drive you to the church. We'll go to the church. We'll get the other set of the keys. We'll come back. He said, oh, no, it's too much. No, we're fine. We'll do that. It wasn't that far. So we drove to the church. We got the other set of keys. We came back, and he unlocked the car. And as he did that, I looked at him and I said, what's that? He says, well, the key fob. I said, yeah, but on the end of your key fob, he says, it's a key. How many of us have been there? It's not working. Or maybe you've walked around with your glasses on your head. I can't find my glasses, right? Where we're somewhat in the dark. We can see a lot. We can make out a lot. We're trying to make sense of it, and yet we can't find our way into the reality that we are in. John wants to properly set our reality, and he does that in these first five verses by giving us the ABCs, the attitude, the background, and the context. And he begins with background. He begins with the background by going to the very beginning. And he says, in the beginning, this is the background. In the beginning, and we expect to hear, God created the heavens and the earth. The very first words of Genesis. But no, that's not what happens. He says instead, he says, in the beginning was the word. And it's a powerful image. A powerful image. It's an image that, if we're thinking about it, actually gives us a clue of where he's going. 
where we're stuck in the moment of thinking, well, wait a minute, that's not how it goes. It should be in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But instead, he's saying in the beginning was the word. And in saying that it was the word, he gives us a clue if we're familiar with the psalm, Psalm 119, a really long psalm, all the way in Psalm 119, verse 105, in the noon section of the Hebrew alphabet, we get these words. God's word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. You've heard that before, haven't you? God's word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I can see where I'm going with God's word. So there's this illustration right at the front that gives us a hint that light is coming. But it's more than that. John is pointing out that our background is in the very beginning, that in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And how did he do that? We don't get a description of all the materials he brought together or the many ways in which he worked on it. It says instead that he, said, that he spoke and things came into being. He but spoke and it happened. He said, in the beginning, he said, let there be light. And there was light, Right? He but spoke the word, and it was. And John is saying, in the beginning was the word, the creative power of God. And John is busy developing for us who Jesus is. Where Luke went back and started with John the Baptist and then the birth of Jesus, or Mark jumped right into John the Baptist and Jesus together as they're grown up, or Matthew says, well, let's go back to genealogy and bore everyone. Instead, John goes back to the beginning and says, for us to properly prepare, we need to remember that Jesus was in the very beginning. Jesus wasn't created in the beginning. Jesus was in the beginning. That he was the very word of God. He is the creative action of God. Jesus is God. He was in the beginning with God, and he was God. This first part of this five-verse section we're looking at today has to do with background. And this very first part, the background is tied to the beginning that we need to remember that Jesus, John is telling us, it goes all the way back to the beginning. Jesus was there in the beginning. Not only that, Jesus was the one. Jesus was the word. Which slides nicely into the next part of the ABCs of the attitude, background, and context. If we start in background, John moves then to context. Context, you know, that kind of where do we find ourselves? What's, what's going on? Uh, you know, what, what's the proper setting that's going on here? What's the context? What time period is this taking in? Are we inside? Are we outside? What's the context? And John points out the context that we need to remember. That in the beginning, 
is the creative, the context is the creative power of God. The part two of this five-verse series, and where if at the beginning is about, back, the background is about beginning, the next part is about the creative action of God. And it says that all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. I know you English grammar people are thinking, well, John, you could have put that a lot better than that. But the Greek gets messy sometimes. It's saying that through Jesus, everything was made that is. And without him, nothing has been made. Everything is in him. And it's not only that it was then, it's a context of continuing. Everything that is, is in Jesus. In other words, even though it's hard to see, all authority, all power, all dominion has always been with Jesus. Think about it. John is thinking through all this as he's thinking about how to begin his gospel, as he's racing through all the many experiences that he'd had with Jesus, including now the resurrection and Jesus spending 40 days with them and, and then putting together the bigger picture. He's suddenly seeing that Jesus is so much more than he saw at the very beginning that he saw in those three years of traveling with him, that he saw even in the resurrection. He's realizing how much bigger Jesus is. Each day, Jesus is getting bigger for him. It's much like in um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or the later novels, C.S. Lewis's character, Lucy, who interacts with the image of Jesus, who is Aslan the lion. As Lucy's grown older, Lucy says, you know, I've gotten older, I'm bigger now, but Aslan, you're bigger too. How come? And the answer is because as you grow, you will discover, child, that I am bigger each time. John is pointing out that Jesus is the very creative one and the one who sustains and keeps us. There's nothing without him. How do we prepare? Part of preparing is putting ourselves in the right attitude, the right background in the right context. We need to know our surroundings. And John is setting that in the prologue. He's setting up the dramatic form of what's going to happen by properly placing us. How do we prepare for Christmas? It's not just hanging, hauling out all the decorations and properly putting them up. It's remembering why we do it in the first place. It's remembering what this is all about. So John begins with background, and then he moves into the context, the creative power that is in Jesus. And notice he hasn't said Jesus' name at all yet, but we know who he's talking about. And then he moves into what I've been calling attitude of the ABCs. He moves from Stuff that's nice to think about of, you know, well, he was there in the beginning and he's very creative and all that's good. But how does that relate to me? It's in this third part that John shows how much Jesus understands our reality. It's in this third part that we get a strong understanding that Jesus gets it. You see, because we're living life. And that life is complex. 
That third part says, in him was life. And the life was the light for all people. Life comes from Jesus. And that life becomes a light to us. Why? Because there's that last verse that is so powerful. That the light shines in the darkness. What? Suddenly we've moved from all this esoteric high thought of God to a reality that acknowledges we can't always see things straight. That we're struggling. That there's horrendous things that happens in this life. That there's a brokenness that exists around us and in us. That we're struggling. And that we really need a God who gets it and understands that life isn't easy. That we're hurting. That we're broken. And there's this acknowledgement in these first five verses of not only the very beginning and the creative power of God, but that something is wrong. Something doesn't fit in this beautiful narrative. That there's a very reason that God sent Jesus into the world. That we're broken. That we're hurting. That we're suffering. In this darkness, this darkness that we never think will go away. Some of us wrestle with insurance companies for our medical care. And each year we find out that there's less and less they'll cover while there's more and more that we have to pay. Or maybe we're just holding on, just trying to make ends meet with a fixed income that seemed to be good when we first retired, but now we're wondering if it'll hold as the economy doesn't seem to keep up with the inflation. Or maybe it's the idea that we're told that as children we should be able to be playful and have fun and there's all sorts of activities, but there's no end of studying and things we have to do. And if we don't do it, we can't make the next step. And suddenly our plates are so full that there's no time for play because of what comes next. Life is broken. It's full of darkness. And yet John is making a bold statement that in him, in the word, is life. And that life, the life that Jesus provides, is the life of people. It's the light that keeps us going. It's the hope that we have. And then it closes with this powerful statement. The light shines in the darkness. And it's the second part that truly gives us hope. And the darkness has not overcome it. Light always beats out darkness. That the light 
the true light shines in the darkness and overcomes it. So as we prepare, as we start our journey through John's prologue, today we deal with lights or the light, the light that shines in the darkness and overcomes it. Our preparation is to look to the light. Our preparation is to no longer look to all the things that we think we need, but to continue to remember what this is all about and that we are dependent on the light that is entering into the world. In the Christ child, in Advent, the second part of Advent is preparation for Christ's return. It's happening on two levels, preparing for the Christ child and preparing for Christ's return. May we truly enjoy the fact that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise of Jesus. We thank you that he was there in the very beginning, that it was his creative word that brought all into being, and that it is he who is our light, who overcomes any darkness around us, Help us, O oh Lord, to live fully in him. All this we pray, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Emmanuel, God with us from the very beginning. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.